25. Therefore, siblings, since the blood of Jesus makes us confident to enter the holy place by the new and living path opened for us through the veil, that is to say, the body of Jesus, and since we have the supreme high priest presiding over the house of God, let us enter it filled with faith and sincerity in our hearts, our hearts sprinkled and cleared from any trace of bad conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us keep firm in the hope that we profess, because the one who made the promise is faithful. Let us always think how we can spur one another on toward love and good works. Don't neglect to gather with the community, as some do, but encourage one another. And do this all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. Good morning, y'all. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm one of your pastors here at Zao MKE Church. It has been a week. It has been a couple weeks. It's been a time lately. Am I right? This is one of those moments where it's most difficult for me to be preaching to you through a camera instead of feeling the energy of your presence in the room with me. I have to trust that God is connecting us to one another because I can feel my heart breaking for our separation, longing to be with you. I feel like I finally understand some of the things that Paul was writing about when he started basically every letter saying, I pray for you without ceasing, expressing a longing of connection. It's in those letters that we know that we are not actually in that unique of a position, though it may feel dire and totally, totally contextual to us that the church has always had to find ways to be deeply together in times of trial, that separation from one another does not actually cut us off from God's love or from the love of church, but that we must be so intentional, binding ourselves together in love and prayer and affection. I miss y'all. And yet here you are with me, here you are with me, connected by the love of God and by the Holy Spirit, who blows as she wills around this world and all the cosmos. And so because it's been a particularly difficult week, because it is a particularly difficult moment in history, because we must be intentionally connected during this time of separation, I invite you to just ground with me for a moment. Wherever you are, I'd like you to reconnect with your body. I, as I often do, am preaching without shoes on today, and so I am feeling my bare feet on the ground beneath me, trying to connect to the history of this building, though we may be in a different room than the sanctuary that we are normally in. This place holds generations of faithfulness, what is held in the place that you are in? Can you feel the people, the faithful, who have come before you? Can you feel the love of God which has formed the ground beneath you? Feel it through your feet. Invite it from the soles of your feet to rise into you and then pour it back 
out into the world. I invite the Holy Spirit to find us wherever we are, to bind us together in that holy presence, the God who is everywhere all at once, so intimately. God, bind us together with your spirit of love. Deep breaths, y'all. The church, the truly faithful, those disciples formed in the way that we have been talking about, our whole faith, but also specifically in these several weeks of our formation series, the church has always been in struggle. The true church, the true believers, the true followers of Jesus have always been in struggle because we live in a broken world. Because the world of empire is always against the way of life, true life, eternal life for all. Systems of oppression have been binding us from the beginning. That's why we need the way. That's why we put our hope not in the things we see here on this earth, but in the kingdom, already and not yet, the coming and ever-present way of Jesus. The church has always been in the struggle. Even when the struggle was pushed down underground, even when the struggle was so invisible you thought it was calm for a moment, the church has always been at the heart of the struggle for justice. Those faithful followers of Jesus who have been able to see the way in the kingdom, who have pursued it with their whole hearts, their being, have always been in the struggle. The letters to the early church are letters to a people of struggle. But they are also letters to a people of hope. The book of Hebrews is one of my favorites. It's so beautiful. It's poetic and densely packed with meaning. And it is received first and foremost by that early church, that underground, that persecuted, but that hopeful, faithful, confident church. Their confidence didn't come because things were going particularly well. And we know that because this letter encourages them. It says, have confidence. It must not be because confidence is around every corner. It must be because that is a choice that the followers must make, that those who are on the way must choose a kind of confidence. But they aren't supposed to muster that up from their own internal being as though they are responsible for that confidence. The letter tells them exactly where to find it. Our confidence is in Jesus. And not just Jesus, but Jesus the enfleshed, Jesus the embodied, Jesus the one who came and put his body on the line first. Jesus who loved us first, broken in the world with us. Jesus who paved the way and showed us what lies at the end, not death as the empire claims, but life true life, eternal life, fullness of life that cannot ever be stomped out by fascist boots. We are to have confidence in Jesus. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the supreme high priest. And what that means may be a little obscure to us since we don't have the same connection to the temple anymore. 
But what it means is that Jesus is this ultimate authority, the ultimate arbiter of who accesses God. At the time that this was written, there were a lot of people whose job it was to mediate access to God. We may find parallels in time. But it was the job of, of certain people, a certain class of people, a certain privileged class of people, to tell you how exactly you were to access God and who was worthy and therefore who was not. Who could enter the Holy of Holies? Who had to stay outside the gates and everything in between? We need that connection to the Holy of Holies. We need that source, that life source to the divine. That is where our confidence comes from. And so how do we approach the, that holy place? How do we approach the divinity that made all creation with a confidence when other people are mediating who actually has access? This letter to the Hebrews says, we have busted that system wide open. It is not up to any earthly power to tell us who has access to God. It is not up to any angry commenter to tell us who the truth church is. It is not up to us to say to one another, apostate, you are not a real Christian. It is up to Jesus, the supreme high priest, and we know Jesus. We've seen Jesus. We talk about him every week at the table, the open table, where we say that Jesus, the true arbiter of who has access to holiness and life and divinity, says all are welcome. We come with the confidence of the supreme high priest who says we have been made welcome by who we are made to be, the children of God, in the very image of God, seeking after God's own heart. The confidence we have in Jesus says that seeking after Jesus is not something that can be mediated by anyone on this earth, but that we enter the holy places with confidence. So what is the holy place? Where are these holy places that we can walk into so boldly, so brazenly, knowing that we have been invited and that no one on earth can turn us away? In the times before, that place was literally the temple. First, this temple was the place that God dwelt, and there were chambers, inner chambers, and you had to have access, you had to have permission to go inside. But the scriptures, including this scripture here in Hebrews, tells us that the veil, that is, the thing that held you on the other side from the Holy of Holies, it has been torn it has been torn, broken, as Christ's own body was broken. Because, as we say sometimes, everything that is shared must be broken. God shared God's own self with us through putting Jesus' body on the line, saying, my flesh is your flesh. I break in this world with you. I know this pain. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, the scriptures tell us that we can have confidence in Jesus because we know he was tested as we are tested. He knows the pain of this world that we walk. And so Jesus put his own body on the line. It is the body of Christ which is the temple. 
And yet, to say it is merely the singular physical body of Jesus of Nazareth that is the temple is insufficient. Because we also know that the body of Christ has become so much more. Back when we were talking about Pentecost and power, the power of the Spirit poured out on all God's people, we saw this incredible shift. The people were promised a new temple, a new place to find God, to encounter God. They were promised that fire and wind and the presence of God would be poured out into this new temple, and we see that happen on Pentecost. But instead of going into any building, any structure, any religious institution, or any earthly authority, that power, that presence, that promise of God is poured out into the new temple, the faithful. The people, the followers of Jesus who are filled with the Holy Spirit become the body of Christ, this new temple, the new holy of holies, the place to encounter God. And so the Hebrews, the the letter to the Hebrews encourages us to have confidence as we enter the holiest places, knowing that the holiest places are found in one another. We are instructed to seek one another out with confidence, with boldness, to seek God out through one another. And we are encouraged to use some tools, sincere and faithful hearts. How do we find sincere and faithful hearts in a time of such cynicism, irony, and fear? It is easier to make a biting remark than to show up with sincere and vulnerable hearts. And yet, scripture tells us that faith is hope in things unseen. That we can place our hope through faith into the promise that God has made to us because the one who made the promise is faithful. Faith can be this kind of um, strengthening experience And that faith comes first and foremost from God. Again, this is not something we muster up in ourselves. It is something we open ourselves up to. In fact, God has placed a memory inside your very being to remember who you are. And that faith is a part of your identity. Faith in the God who made the promise. Faith in the God who is faithful. It is inside of you. It is a gift to you. It is your birthright. It is part of how you were made to have and find and hold that faith and to have that faith fuel your confidence. And in that confident faith, open your heart to sincerity and hope. The scripture here promises us also a clean slate, that we are made pure in our bodies and our minds, not because we have fixed anything, but because in our confidence we approach God and God cleanses us. God sprinkles God's grace on us and we are made new. We are made clean by our seeking. The way, the journey towards the kingdom, the following of Jesus is the thing that refreshes and transforms us. Our confidence takes us from the side of the road where we navel gaze and introspect and worry, am I good enough? Am I clean enough? Am I pure enough? The way takes us off of that ditch in the side of the road and says, be on the way. 
Trust that you are made holy by the journey. Trust that God has declared you fit for this journey. Jesus, the high priest, has invited you and let no one tell you otherwise. You are seeking a new kind of being, a new kind of kingdom. We do this with hope. Hope in things unseen. Hope that the way things are is not the way things truly are or the way things will always be. Hope in a kind of prophetic imagination that says, I believe. And when we don't have that belief, we cry out with the scriptures, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. But that hope is a forward momentum that carries us along the way. Even as we are looking around so distracted by the things that are, the things that are in front of us, the things that are painful. But the hope keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus, fixed on the kingdom and the coming ways. This, though, is not a journey that we can take alone. The scriptures are crystal clear on that. We must do this with one another. We must encourage one another. We must spur one another on. We must be in this journey together. We must meet together. We must find one another. We must encourage one another on the way. The path of formation is not an individual one. But individual disciples are formed together into one body and one being. And it is only when we allow ourselves to be formed into the body of Christ that we will find the true temple, the true body, the holy of holies, the closest and most intimate presence of God. We are called to mutually encourage one another because we will only find God truly together. And we may have glimpses on our own in isolation. God reveals God's self to us in whatever ways we are prepared to receive. But if we want to walk with boldness along the way, if we are prepared to see the divine face of God, if we want to be fully transformed into the ways of Christ Jesus, we must do so together. This is what it means to be the church. That Learning the teachings is one piece. Receiving the power is another piece. Participating in the miracles, saying yes to the invitation. And yet it all comes together only when we come together. When we allow ourselves to be formed from individual disciples on a journey into the being of the body of Christ. It is in this being in this deep, profound, and spiritual connection that we find in this of life, that we find the promises of God fulfilled. You see, we in the struggle have one foot in the struggle and one foot in eternity. We in the struggle have one foot in, in the struggle, one foot in the present, one foot in the moment, and one foot in the kingdom of eternal love. The scriptures talk about how the kingdom is already and not yet. Jesus talks about how the kingdom is near and the kingdom is at hand and also how the kingdom is here. We have to hold on to that tension. And if we lose one piece, then we have lost the way. Right now, we may be very keenly aware that the kingdom is not yet. 
that the way things are is broken. We might be keenly aware that we are called to participate in a new creation, that we are invited into co-creating with God a new anti-empire, that the need is great and the time is now and the power is put on us so that we may, in Christ Jesus, build something new. That is the kingdom which is not yet, which has not yet come but is promised. But what of the promise that the kingdom is already, that the kingdom is here, that the kingdom is at hand? What is that promise? We are not invited into the struggle for the sake of itself. We are invited into the struggle so that we may become fully alive now and for generations to come, now and for all of eternity. Let us not lose that life for the sake of the struggle. Jesus tells us the law is not here. Human beings are not here in order that we may serve the law. The law is here to serve human beings. Similarly, we are not here to serve the struggle. The struggle is here to serve us, to serve God, to serve the kingdom, and the way of being fully alive. There is a reason we are called Zao. Zao is a Greek word from the New Testament, and it means to be alive, to be not dead, to be fully among the living. We are a people of life. We are a people of struggle, but we are first and foremost a people of life. And so how are we called to find life, to find connection, to find the real and present kingdom of God here and now in the midst of the struggle? We are promised that fullness of life, not in some distant heaven, but right here, right now. And we are instructed to look for it, look for that holiness, look for that pure divine love in one another, in the body in the body of Christ where we mutually encourage one another onward towards love and good works, where we meet together and hold one another in love, compassion, and joy. This is what makes the struggle worth fighting. This is what makes the kingdom worth pursuing. This is the seeking of love now and forever, but also now, now and forever. Where are you finding love? How is love defining your being? How does being the church define your faith? The community that first received this letter needed to hear these same things, needed to know that there were others in the struggle with them and that the love of God was available to them by Jesus, Jesus putting his own body on the line the love of God was showing up to them in all places and in all things, but most especially in one another. The body of Christ is vast and wild, like the spirit that birthed it. We are a people of the spirit. We are a people of life. We are a people who struggle towards something while we have one foot in victory. We are a people meant to be fully alive, fully in love, and fully connected. How has your formation invited you into a new way of being and of being the church? I invite you now to reflect 
on all the people who have brought us to this moment and all the people who are yet to come. Because the body of Christ is not limited by geography or time or language or culture. The body of Christ is bound together by the love of Jesus that propels us along the way. So who are those who have come before? Who are those who are yet to come, who give our life meaning, who bring us joy? Who are the people, perhaps right next to you, who are showing you the true face of God, the love and joy of being fully alive? I encourage you to actually share this with one another, to write in comments those, those people that have shown you the love of God. Maybe there are people in this community that you've met. Maybe there are people in the streets who are preaching a prophetic word but also dancing with joy. Maybe it's a grandma or an aunt, a brother, who has shown you the unconditional love that you know is both from that person and also from eternity. The love that gives us confidence. They say that we make the way by walking it. Jesus walked it first, but we must walk it together. Let us make this way, this kingdom. And as our feet touch the ground along the path, may we know that we are journeying somewhere beautiful and promised and also that we have already arrived. May we see it in one another. May we mutually encourage one another. And may it light our lives with joy. Will you pray with me? God of all creation, we are in awe of the way that you pour yourself out to us without limits. We pray that you would help us to be your people and to see you in your people. God, may we be faithful along the way, having confidence in your love for us, holding hope for the things that we cannot see, and also being immersed in the love that is fully present here and now. You are good. May this pour out through us in mutual love and connection. May you invite us into fullness of life, and may we have the courage and presence to say yes. Amen.